What's up, you guys? Welcome to another episode of the Off Market Operator. Colbert Johnson, I am your host. Today is another one of our rare guest features, you guys. We make sure we bring on incredible guests. My guest today, we recorded this live on my boat here in San Diego. We went over everything from his backstory to his entrepreneurial journey to how he got into real estate, the kind of real estate he buys, why he buys it, and how that has an impact on his life and his students' life. So I also dropped the end of this video, guys, how you can get in contact with him. Make sure you do, he is the real deal. People don't fail at real estate because they suck. They fail because there's too many ways to succeed. That's why I suggest you focus on the most important skill in all of real estate, which is finding deals. I'm Colbert Johnson, and in this podcast, I share the exact steps I've used to source 400 deals by age 24. This will allow you to do three things, control your deal flow, make unlimited income, and build your empire as an off-market operator. And on that point, man, um, you tell you there's a lot of points to, to digest there for the audience to make. Uh, I think I think a big thing there is what, what fascinates me about real estate. And I started in a different game where I started in the kind of flipping wholesale side. Um, but no matter which people get scared off of real estate because they think they need hundreds of thousands of dollars to get into it. Okay. No. What I found out with wholesaling was very similar to what you found out there being arbitrage. With you can have no money pretty much nothing to your name. And by deploying your time, right, being on the phone, I don't, I don't know how the arbitrage world works, I'm gonna ask in a second, but for the wholesaling side, if I get on the phone to the seller and I have nothing to my name, they don't know that, right? right. I, I'm cool, I'm calling from a local real estate investment company, that's it. And if I find a house is beat up in my neighborhood, all I have to do is get a contract signed and sell that piece of paper, not the house, sell that piece of paper to an investor for twenty to eighty thousand dollar fee, my my biggest fee ever is two hundred thousand dollars on a two week turnaround assignment fee, huh? one check, and I mean it, it sounds like it's scammy, right? Because it right. doesn't sound real, but it's real. And same thing as every every arbitrage. I saw you put out a post one time on this branch style home you wanted to buy. Yeah, you, that one that went viral and everybody was yeah, and it was yeah, freaking out. Man. And I was like, no, who cares what term he used? What he's showing people is real estate is what most people in our society end up, where they end up putting their money. Right. No matter how they make their money, they figure out they want to keep their money. It's in it's in hard assets, right. it's in real estate. Um, and you know it has the tax benefits, everything like that. So I, a question for you, for the people listening, is on the Airbnb arbitrage side, if I have 10 grand in my, so let's give you an, an actual example. If I have 10 grand in my name, and I'm 22 years old, I'm fresh out of college, I have all the time in the world, I have 10 grand, I have no rent, I'm living at my parents' house. How do I go one source, my first Airbnb arbitrage, property what do i how do i negotiate with the with the, the person that owns that property what can i expect to make what are the pitfalls that people tend to fall in you can give me just a three to five minute overview of what advice you would give me if i was in that situation i think people would love that sure yeah so you're 22 years old you have ten thousand dollars to your name and you're looking to get started investing in real estate or hell even just make any kind of money in anywhere right yeah. airbnb arbitrage is without a doubt 100 the best stepping stone and the best tool um, to make money in, in in real estate when you're just getting started and here's here's why i say that wholesaling is a little bit different right you have to be dialing people 24 yeah. 7. it's it's a rugged game you know it's it's very stressful with this airbnb arbitrage game let's first talk about what airbnb arbitrage is this is when we're renting out a long-term property we're signing a long-term lease and then we're getting the the, the landlord's legal and written agreement that we can sublease their property however we like, as a short-term rental, as a medium-term rental, however we like. So, to you know, that's the first people's first question all the time: Is is it illegal? Yeah, it's illegal if you don't tell the landlord, if yep. you don't make the agreement. Yep. Well, then the next question people have, well, why would a landlord ever let you do that? You know as well as I do, there's two different reasons. Number one, they don't want to, and number two, they don't know how to. And I'll give you a great example. If I'm a 70-year-old landlord, and I've been renting this house out f forever, 
and um, you know this now this house I have it on on Zillow and it's been on the market for three months. Every single month I'm having to put money out of my pocket into this mortgage, right? Because it's it's not being rented. So I'm 70 years old. I just want somebody to take the freaking lease, sign the lease for me. And so if you can present this as an opportunity for them and you being helpful to them, this whole process works a lot easier. And so that's what I teach a lot of people is how to frame this concept to people, not like, hey, I'm gonna turn your house into a party house on Airbnb, yeah, but yeah. hey, let's work together. You help me, I help you, I will take great care of this house. I'm backed by a $3 million insurance policy through AirCover. I you know, I have people cleaning the house four to five times a week, mm. yada, yada, yada. So how it would work is something like this. I always suggest to people open up an LLC. Step number one, open up an LLC. Um, to, to finding the properties is, is the easy part. Um, but from a business structure standpoint, you, you wanna open up your business, uh, your LLC. That way you can go get a business bank account. That way you can go get business credit, right? From there, what you're gonna do is to, to source the properties very simple. You're going to look for properties for rent, whether it be on Facebook Marketplace, whether it be on Zillow, rent.com. This, wor this works um, anywhere in the uh, country, anywhere international as well, anywhere that Airbnb operates. So there's no states, cities that you know of that have, it's prohibited to, because all, all you're doing, right, just to simplify it is, kind of like in the, in, the, in the wholesale model, we're getting a contract with a right to assign that contract. Right. And we're telling the seller, we have the right to assign this agreement to another buyer. Right. Somewhere here, you're getting a, you're getting a, you're a lease agreement with a seller, with a property owner, with the right to sublease that however you want. Right. And you're communicating that. Yeah, yeah. So then there's not going to be any kind of regulation against that, no matter where you are, as long as there's no short-term rental regulation. So yeah, so let's talk about regulations. So let's just say that I, let's just say that I toured this house with you and you're the landlord. Yep. Hey man, uh, absolutely love your house. I think it'd be a great fit for my business. So let's just say that you know you're the landlord, and I'm pitching it to you. We just went through your house and you know toured it around, or we're on the phone or email, whatever it is. Hey man, I absolutely love your house. I think it'd be a great fit for my business. You go over the details of the business model. You you know comfort them with all the you know we have a scripts right. We yeah, use the scripts. So once we get the pro the house like under contract, the only thing that matters though is is when you're and when you're doing due diligence is understanding rules and regulations in the city. Each each city and each county and each state different um, and so so in terms of regulations each city is different each county is different you also have um, HOAs you got to stay away from HOAs because the HOAs are the, the one thing that's gonna screw you if you go to like you know a Palm Springs or whatever and you're in this old person's community and they have this HOA that says no short-term rentals there's no way around it you just cannot do it so there are ways around this and, and this is a fantastic point that I want to cover one of the best pieces of advice that I can give to people around rules regulations and, and all these things that you see besides like Hawaii, right? Um, because Oahu has these really strict, like 180-day, yeah. uh, you know, this this ban on short-term rentals, medium-term rentals. The two best strategies I've seen for getting around um, short-term rental laws is doing medium-term rentals, which is 30 nights or longer, right? So, and you and you market these as, as corporate housing. So, corporate stays, uh, people that are traveling nurses, traveling doctors. There is a market for this. There is a need for this, and their companies give them a stipend, and then they pay for them to you know stay wherever they need to stay for a short amount of time, right? People that are working on TV shows and stuff, they're just there for four or five months, three months. Insurance companies, your house burns down on fire, they gotta go put you in a house for three months, four months, whatever it is. So that's one way to get around it. So that's like New York City, LA, parts of LA, Chicago, anywhere that there's a short-term rental ban, that's the way you can get around it. The second way um, that we found that's a fantastic way to, and, and this is one of the best points that I can teach people when doing research on short-term rentals. Do not be afraid of 
of like certain rules and regulations. Now, let me get, give you a great example. Uh, I cannot remember if it's Savannah, Georgia, or um, or Charlotte, but either way, my my roommate, who's got a good good job, I think he's maybe maybe making like eighty thousand dollars per year, ninety thousand dollars per year. He's ready to invest in his first rental property. He's living with me, of course. He's like, dude can you get me in this Airbnb game? Fantastic. I'd love to help you out. So I teach him how to source the properties. We're using Zillow and then we're running them on AirDNA, which is a tool yep. that we use the rentalizer tool that tells us based on the zip code, based on the city, how much this property should make on Airbnb. It's, it's semi-accurate. So it's a good measure as to how much you'd make. So he finds these properties and he's like, man, but you know, the, the rules and the regulations, I go, no, 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 no. Here's what you got to do. Call five real estate agents in the area. Mm. Call five real estate agents in the area and ask them because they're the expert, not, not you and not this, on this city municipal website. They know the deal. They know that if they're actually going out and grabbing people, they know that, oh, by the way, so it, here's what ends up happening. I wish I knew exactly what city it was so I could tell you so that this would be a good hit. But basically he calls around, two or three agents don't know what they're doing. Two of them know exactly what they're doing. And they both said the same thing. Oh no, man, you just have to stay away from downtown. Stay away from downtown. If you do anything on these outer little islands, you're good. And it's still considered, un, uh, I, I want to say that the term was unincorporated yep. Savannah or unincorporated you know, Charlotte, whatever it was. So now he's going out to buy his first Airbnb in that area with a 72% occupancy. And what's the fantastic thing about this is... Buying it or arbitrage? Buying. He's buying okay. one. Um, but you can do either or. It doesn't matter. The, the concept still works the same. It, wh what that does is, um, you know, when people are like, oh, no, it's banned there. Well, here's what it does. It actually limits the supply, but it doesn't limit the amount of the, the demand of people that are still coming there. So you're having an increase in demand and a, and a decrease or a stagnation of supply. And what's happening is the price per night and the occupancy rates continues to go up. Mm. So he's going to have probably a 72% occupancy rate with like a $450, 300, uh, 375 to $450 per night average on his property out there and crush it. Only because so many people, if, if they would, if he would have just stuck to you know what he's read online, he would he would have been you know not investing there. So, question for you on that personal question for me, selfish question, because a lot of the sentiment I feel like from people, and I'm I'm pretty integrated into the the real estate space, people online around Airbnb is that we've gone into kind of a Airbnb correction. I have some buddies that were having an Airbnb that have moved out, and now they're looking into like other things, assisted living. Totally. Uh, section eight, all that kind of stuff, which all they all have their headaches. And that's the thing, people watching this, like every single thing has its own complexity. That's why I always recommend choosing something and being in it for 18 months. In it. So you can really understand all the, all the nuances and not jump ship every single, uh, every single month when it gets a little bit hard. But for you, man, what is your take on, okay, I go and I, I do an Airbnb arbitrage, Louisville, Kentucky. I found a nice part of town. People like to vacation. I have a homeowner. Let's do two examples that I sign a lease with a year long lease. All of a sudden, a new regulation comes out in the market after I sign that lease. I'm on a year-long lease. I can no longer short-term rental that, that property. I'm stuck with a lease. Second scenario, I go buy a house, right? And, I, and stuff's trading based on a short-term rental market like in Pacific Beach, Mission Beach here, where they've changed the rules and it's now it's a lottery and only 10% of people have a short-term rental license. So if I owned a property here in, in Mission Beach and I bought it when, when stuff was trading based on short-term rental, everyone can short-term rental, and now I buy it and six months later, it comes out that I no longer can short-term rental, and now my, my property is trading at a different price. What, what do I do? Like, how do I mitigate that risk in both those scenarios? So, let's, I mean, let's just talk about the, the downside risk of, of both, right? So the downside risk of Airbnb arbitrage is, yes, if a city goes in, in, in and bans it and says no more short-term rentals, what are you going to do? Well, you have a couple of different options. Number one, you can do midterm rentals like we talked about, so 30 nights or longer, so midterm stays. Completely transition it, 
All you have to do on Airbnb or VRBO is change your minimum night stay to 30 nights and you can use other apps and other websites where you can go find these mm -hmm. corporate clients and, and um, you know, go find people for these corporate stays. The second thing that you can do is remember you signed a lease. So that allows you to sublease the property. That doesn't just mean short term. You can go sublease the property and just be and relist it online and say, hey, look, long term lease. Mm. I got a month. I got I got a year and six months. Who wants it just for the exact same price that you're in it for and cover it. Worst case, very worst case scenario, you, you know, you're shit out of luck and you break the lease. That's it. You break the lease, you eat the, you eat the you know, cash that you're out and it is what it is. So those are the, the downside risks. Now the upside risk is that um, if you do due diligence properly and if you've done the right research, you'll know, you know, I always tell my students, go, go see if you're really thinking about investing into an area, we're not half-assing any of this stuff. Like go see what the city's been doing. If they're in talks and you know, and there's some big city council meeting that's coming up to decide the fate, like San Diego's like been a good place, right? Yeah. So, you know, do the research there. Otherwise the places that I invest are places that literally there's zero chance that, that um, that they're going to ban it. Zero so, chance. Red states. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah in red states. Red state. yeah, yeah, so right. In red states. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's always little nuances, but places where people continue to travel and have been traveling for a hundred plus years. Yeah. Um, and the vacation rental market runs their economy. So. Love it, man. Yeah, that's, that's a good, that's the number one question that I have. I'm sure a lot of people have when I come to you is what is my downtown risk? So moving into man, like a little higher level here. Okay. So scaling an Airbnb business. Okay. Hey, I'm not talking by, about buying your first property. Let's say, Hey, I want to build a $500,000 a year, million dollar a year business. What profit margins am I looking at reasonably conservatively? How do I get there? What hires do I need to make? What kind of team do I need to build? If I want to build a million dollar Airbnb business over the next three to five years, assuming all the facts right now around the Airbnb, the regulations stay the same, what do I have to do? Right, yeah, so I mean, for me personally, I went from a $0 a year Airbnb business to a $2.2 million a year revenue Airbnb business in you know, two, two and a half years. And so, and, and I probably, I spend about 15, again, like I was saying earlier, I spend about 15 minutes per week managing it. People are gonna say, how? It's impossible. Not when you hire and delegate, because at some point, you have to understand that Airbnb is not, it's, it's this is a hospitality business. No, it's a it's, mini it, hotel. It's a mini hotel, it's yeah. a hospitality business, it's not real estate. So like any business, you have to start in, the, you know, start in the mud, do it yourself to understand how to do everything, and then start building systems and operations and hires to start buying your time back. And so as I started to get more and more Airbnb properties, I was looking at, okay, who do I need to hire? What do I need to do? What are the systems? And so the first things first is, for me, I wanted to do, I, I, I self-manage all my properties except for one, because I save 20, the, the self, I save 20% by, shit. <laughs> We're good. Yeah. Save the camera. Um, so you know we're really here. It's yeah, a green screen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah. So I, I, um, I self-manage all my properties, and that's something that I'm like, except for one, which I'm, which I'm proud of, because I make an extra twenty percent on those properties. That I wouldn't be given to a property manager that doesn't yeah. know shit else what they're doing. So most importantly is doing the business yourself. Um, with Airbnb arbitrage, there's two different ways to scale it. I scaled with, you know, and, and I didn't scale too big. I, again, I just did it for kind of proof of concept, but I, I like the idea of less properties, more quality and, and let, you know, more, more money, but less headaches. Yep. There's also people out there that teach a model where they go acquire 10, 15, 20 units from an apartment complex at a time, go furnish all of them. They get 4.5, 4.3 ratings on Airbnb. They're making shit margins, but they have a bulk of 
of houses. They go and hire virtual assistants to handle all the communications. They hire a property manager in each city. Um, and, and you know, it's just not how I like to do my, my business. How I scaled my business was I chose two main locations, right? I chose Tennessee and Florida and then two different communities in each. And what I did was I only started buying and doing you know, arbitrage stuff in these communities because I built a team there and the team is the most important part. Yep. So in order to self-manage a property, you need, a, you need honestly one to two great cleaning teams and one to two great handymen in the area. And if you have that, then you're able to kind of you know, have this business run itself because you're in open line of communication with them every single day. From there, I was the one communicating with them, right? And so I'm going back and forth with them. I ended up hiring my mom to do that. Right. So I hired my mom to do that. You know, we, we're, we're in the process of adding some virtual assistants. The problem with, with a lot of my houses is they're, they're now they're uber luxury. Like I'm in the luxury space now. And there's just the headache that comes with having to deal with, with those people. You can't just have this automated response for, you know, your two bedroom, one bath apartment in tennis in, in Nashville. You, you, these people are, these houses sleep 31 people. So you just need somebody who's hands on. And so that's, you know, what I, what I did. So I hired my project manager. Um, you want a property manager uh, in-house and you only need one of them, virtual assistants, and then cleaning teams and handyman teams on the ground, pool cleaners if you need them, you know, every position that you would need to uh, essentially automate this business. And so, yeah, again, like what I do at the, in, at the end of the week, basically, or the beginning of the week, depending on, on the week, is just a 15, 20 minute call or lunch or brunch or whatever with my mom and, and dad. And I'm like, okay, how's, how's operations yeah. going? What do we need to do? That way it allows me to keep working on sourcing and finding more properties, my and coaching sales. business, yeah. right? My coaching business and create content yeah. so that I can add value to people and, and uh, you know, teach. It's a perfect segue. So I've got three more questions for you. The next question I want you to just segue into yourself is, you know, you built an incredible brand for yourself with low volume, high quality videos that all kind of paint a picture and right. take people on a story. If I was brand new in a business, I don't have a huge brand, I have a decent brand, but the people that are coming up, they're doing cool stuff in business. They want to start communicating that to the world and building a brand. What are maybe three things you would tell them or three things you would do if you had to start over on social media to build a brand? You pick it, it doesn't have to be every platform, but an overall breakdown of your strategy and what you would recommend to someone if you're consulting them just purely on brand building around what they do. That's a great question, man. Um, I, th I think about this a lot and people ask, ask like friends ask me a lot because they're, they're interested in getting started uh, with creating a brand online. How did you do it? And I'm like, you know, I, I really just started by first, first you have to get over the hump of like putting content out, yep. start putting content out. Um, and I know it's shitty advice, but it's, it is true it's, because it's, you can, it's a friction. And for me it was too. And all of a sudden there's one, there's a video that happened, there's two videos that happened where you just stop caring. So, or you can do what I did in the beginning. I didn't show my face. Yeah. So, so there's ways around it, but essentially what you need to do and what I would do if I was, if I was creating a brand now is kind of, kind of come up with what it is, if, especially if we're talking about for making money online. Um, the, the money, let me shoot it to you straight. These YouTubers don't know what the fuck they're doing because all of their money comes from brand deals and sponsorships. That is not where money come from, comes from. I don't take on any brand deals. I haven't done any sponsorships ever, not one time. It waters down what you do. It yeah. waters down what you do. Why would you not create your own product? Hey, if you're like a, if, if you're teaching people about like, people coming with weird stuff all the time. Hey man, like I'm a dermatologist, like what do I do? I'm like, dude, 
create your own product. You've got 17 million followers on TikTok and you're making $18,000 a month and you're just getting sponsored by Neutrogena. Go create your own brand and sell it and market the shit out of it or bodybuilding guys or you name it. So realistically, what you want to do is have something that you're absolutely passionate about and knowledgeable about. That's that's number one. Passionate. So actually do something. You, yeah, go out and go do something. If you're if you're teaching people about bodybuilding but you look like a, a, a fat ass, then what? There's there's zero point. Yeah, I mean, I see this all the time. People are like, dude, how do I, you know, I'm doing this bodybuilding thing. I'm like, you don't look like a bodybuilder. I'm not trying to be rude, but you got to get in shape first. People want to, people have to want to look like you. So the, the trick with that is you had to, have, you have to go out and do something that is, that people would be interested in learning about or something that you're so passionate about that you don't even care if people pay you money. You just want to post because you have the education. You've already done the research and you want to share it with people. That's step number one. Step number two is find out who the best people in your industry are that are doing it and reverse engineer all of their top videos and figure out why they went viral. Study it. Study everything about it. Study the hooks. Study the call to action. Study their funnels. Study everything that they do. There is no reinventing the wheel. Everybody's doing the same fucking shit. They're just doing it a different way. Your website's blue, mine's green. Your click funnels is this, my click funnels is that. Your top of funnel is YouTube, my top of funnel is TikTok. You know, and, and then really start to understand how how these social media different social medias operate, right? So here's here's how it works. TikTok is I have 1.3 or 1.4 million followers on TikTok. The only thing that matters on TikTok is not followers at all. Followers don't matter. The only thing that matters is that you get on the For You page and then what you do with it when you get on that For You page because people don't go on TikTok to look at their following that much. What they do is they go up on their For You page and they scroll and they aimlessly scroll. And I always tell people, think of TikTok or Instagram, any of the short form content. If you're the user, if, if you're yourself, if you could have an outer body experience watching yourself on TikTok, your thumb is like a fucking pistol cocked back, ready to just give me one reason to swipe so I can see the next thing. <laughs> give me one fucking reason, get some weird shit on my feed and then you know, I'll swipe. But what happens is people start going viral and they don't know how to capitalize on it. So always be prepared for it's not, your- It's not an ebook or it's, you know, it's, it's a, like what, what is your direct recommendation on there for a TikTok specifically? What is- so, so for a TikTok, you know, like what I would do is if anything, either direct them to Instagram yeah. or direct, if you don't have anything else going for you, if you're on stage one, direct people to Instagram. You know, so here's here's a great example. I would have a video like, you know, um, here's the top three uh, ways to get started in Airbnb. Blah 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 blah. And at the end, I'd say, hey, and if you want to learn more about getting started with Airbnb, hit the link in my bio. Go follow my Instagram. I'm doing this, this, and that, and I'm doing free giveaways every week. Give me some reason to get off of this app and go do mm. anything. Go, the because, call to action. Because otherwise, you get a 500,000 view video, a million view video. Yeah. And, and what did it do for you? If it didn't make you any money and you're in the space of let's make some fucking money, then what did it do for you? It did nothing for you. So understand that with TikTok. And I found that too. Like no one really watches TikTok stories or they, yeah. don't, they don't hang. You can't really nurture them on TikTok. So you have that video that hits. And I had, like, cause I had videos that had seven, 800,000 views. Right. And if I don't have a call to action, nothing comes there because they're not coming back to my page to look at more stuff. They're not clicking on the link in my bio. Right. They want to see on that video what I want them to do. The so, other yeah. thing that I would recommend not doing is, you know, Ryan Pineda and what a lot of these other guys do. And this is no hate to Ryan. I, 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 I like Ryan. But these guys make, a, they, you know, they, they're copying this Hormozy style playbook, which... Hormozy, Alex Hormozy comes out and said, you know, and he, he runs this marketing game now and he's the guy, right? That everybody looks up to, the $100 million man, all this stuff. 
and his content's great because he actually went out and fucking did it. Yeah. He did it for six years. So he can make a million billion videos saying the same shit twice, but you're like, dude, I respect the hell out of you. What what doesn't work though is going and going sitting down and filming 40, 50 reels or TikToks in a day and then just and uploading them with the same text Math. as everybody else. Yeah. You have to be able to differentiate yourself in this market. That's that's how I've been able to capitalize on doing less videos, but making more money. Quality more than volume. In 99.999% of these guys. So quality over quantity and if you can get to a point where you can do a quantity of quality then that's gonna that's that's a you know great fantastic so tiktok that's what tiktok is youtube is the best for nurturing people long term if you can understand the the youtube game which i still haven't mastered yet then you can crush it because these people between youtube and podcast you're in people's ears for a long period of time yeah. and you build this no like trust and so that's the biggest thing with selling online is you have to get people to trust you to feel like they know you and to just genuinely like you so that doesn't mean just only showing your wins that means showing your losses that doesn't just mean showing good testimonials it means showing shitty parts of your life it, it means talking about struggles it means being yeah. vulnerable relatable yeah. and and then and not giving a fuck dude like really not giving a fuck and so like i talk how i talk i i you know i cut my dad worked in the prison i just i cuss it is what it is <laughs> yeah. people people call it crazy Present. but i can get 67 percent of people 65 percent of people to show up to an online webinar which is double what everybody else is doing because I, i'll text people and be like ah shit you know, I, I think I sent the wrong link. You know what I mean? And people are like, oh, that's weird. Blake texted me, oh shit. You know, and I'm sending out to 20,000 people. So long story short, there's a million different ways to go about it, but TikTok is, that's how you do TikTok. Use Instagram as the place to, um, to sell. So Instagram is where you do your sales through Instagram stories. Um, use Instagram stories as a nurture sequence, a long-term nurture sequence for people. So every single day they get an invite into your life, what you're doing, what you're building. Use Instagram posts as reels and and just regular, you know, reposting tw tweets that are popular um, to kind of just get that virality going. But at the end of the day, where you're going to do all of your sales is through Instagram stories. Cool, man. Well, um, there's one more thing I'm going to do to wrap up the show. I have one more question for you. I'm going to record this live two different places. Cool. So I'm going to jump up. This is, this is my favorite question to ask. I got to turn my gray filters off. That ever happened to you, dude? I, I turn my color filters or whatever off. Oh, yeah, just so you don't look at the phone all day? No, I do it on accident <laughs> somehow. Um, but I want to do this, man, real quick. There we go. Let's start it this way. We are live on the boat today with Mr. Uh, four to eight, Blake Rocha. Yes, sir. And we, uh, we got one more question for him, Mr. Blake. What, what is the, the definition of success for you, man? The definition of success for me, for, you know, if I, can, if I can impact as many people's lives as possible um, in the short amount of time that I'm on earth, whether that be through the money that I've made or through, you know, through sharing my message online about, uh, about health, about real estate, about my, you know, my, my experience experience with the church and with Christ and all that stuff. That, that is my, that is my definition, definition of success. When I see these people that reach back out to me and say, Hey man, you know, you, you absolutely changed my life. This, uh, you know, your message has, has impacted me. I've made a change, um, and you know, in, in whatever way it may be, that's when I feel the, the most, um, accomplished in, in terms of like feeling like I really, you know, was successful on this earth. When I leave, I want people to remember the impact that I left on them through, um, you know, my message. Beautiful. Good stuff. Where can uh, people get in contact with you? The best place for them to they see the show to reach out to you, get into the Airbnb game. How can they uh, get into uh, following you and sure. your groups, whatever you have to yeah, offer? Yeah. So if you're interested in getting started with Airbnbs or just following me in general, you can follow me on, on Instagram. That's the best place. At Mr. 428, spelled out M-R-F-O-U-R-T-O-E-I-G-H-T. -E um, I'm on Twitter at uh, Mr. 428 as well. And yeah, 
Thanks for having me on the podcast, man. Appreciate it, man. Cool. What's up, guys? Thanks for hanging out for the last 30, 45 minutes, however long it was with Blake and I. I'm pumped to bring you guys this show. We went deep into all kinds of different stuff. And this is a different format we're going to do. Probably going to do one or two of these a month on the boat here with amazing guests that have a lot to bring that I verify and make sure it's the real deal. So as, as always, wherever you listen to the show on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you like to listen, whether you're on the treadmill, in the car, um, please give me a like or a subscribe. A share on your story, a DM. Um, means the world you guys i do listen to your feedback and make sure we're curating this to what you guys need to hear so as always like i always say you're only one deal away